0: My name is Pierre Rushing, and this is the story of my wrongful conviction.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Unjustly, a social injustice podcast. My name is Sandy, and this is my co host Stephanie. Hi. So today I'm bringing you a case of an aspiring rapper from the Bay Area who claims to be wrongfully convicted. The Bay Area has a special place in my heart because that is where I grew up. And there was recently a rally held for this case at the Oscar Grant Plaza in Oakland, California. Now the name Oscar Grant should sound familiar to you from the Fruitvale Station case, which we briefly covered in our Taser Confusion episode. Well, the plaza in Oakland was named after him as a memorial, and I find it very symbolic that this plaza has become a location where protests against police brutality and criminal justice issues can take place. So this is the story of Pierre Rushing, currently serving 50 years to life for a murder he says he didn't commit. So we will examine some of the details of the case and hear from Pierre and others who are fighting for his innocence. The sources for this episode can be found in the bio of the podcast. On April 15th, 2011, around 3.30 a.m., according to witness Robert Green, who had a long history of drug addiction, said he and his friend Pat Smith went to an apartment building to buy drugs. Smith came out of the apartment with two other individuals, one named Andre and the other who identified himself as the letter C, as in cat. All the men got into the car and as they were driving, the man known as C was telling someone on the phone that someone had stole his iPod. Soon after, the car passed by Dewanye Taylor in which C began saying, there he go right there, referring to Taylor being the person who stole his iPod. According to Green, C and Andre get out of the car and approach Taylor who was near the giant Quarter Pound Burger restaurant. Green testified that C and Andre pinned Taylor against the passenger door and began hitting and kicking him in the face and chest, and then C shot Taylor once in the stomach. C and Andre then get into the car and Smith drove away, leaving Taylor to die on the street. A second witness, Carla Smith, who had a history of run-ins with law enforcement due to her sex work, stated at trial that on the day of the incident, she had been waiting at a bus stop about two blocks away. She saw Pat Smith pull up in his car, which she had ridden in before and saw a man exit the vehicle and shoot Taylor. This unfortunately was not the only version of events that Carla had testified to just what she said in trial. So just to reiterate, She knows who Pat Smith is, and she's been in that car, so she recognized the car Mm -hmm. when it pulled up. But this was 3.30 in the morning, so it's dark, and she was at a bus stop like two blocks away. Prior to trial, she had given police multiple stories that all differed and contradicted each other. Carla admitted to giving conflicting statements, but she said it was because she did not want to look like a snitch. Carla also admitted to smoking marijuana at the time of the crime, which again happened around 3.30 to 4 a.m. A week after the murder, Green met with detectives to tell them the story and he gave an officer a description of C as brown-skinned, about 5 feet 10 inches tall, with short hair, 20 years old, and around 120 pounds with a slim build. He was unable to choose anyone from a lineup that he believed was C. On April 22, 2011, officers spotted the car that was used in the murder and Smith was asleep in the front seat. The officer detained both Smith and the car, and the car was dusted for fingerprints. Fingerprints of Smith, Green, and Carla were taken from the car, but no fingerprints of Andre or C were found. On April 30th, Green randomly saw C at the BART station wearing a red cap and called police to tell them he had just spotted C. He admitted, though, that C was actually nowhere near the description he originally gave police. The new suspect was a darker complexion and was much taller than his description and was actually now 6'2", instead of the 5'10 he originally gave police. Three days later, Officer Michael Igualdo saw a man matching the new description given (laughs) by Green and was wearing a red cap. This man was Pierre Rushing.
2: Oh my God. Mm-hmm.
1: And prosecutors would soon charge him with the murder of Taylor. After Green confirmed that Rushing was the man named C. Rushing, however, had only ever gone by the nickname Stink, and was never known by the nickname C. So at trial, Laura Richardson testified to be Rushing's alibi. She stated that the night before the murder, her and Rushing were at a park shooting a music video. They then went to his grandmother's house and spent the night together. Richardson testified that at the time of the murder, they were at Rushing's grandmother's home. Later, they went to get some food and went back to the grandmother's home. She remembered this day specifically because it was tax day and her son had a school performance later that afternoon. Since Rushing was an aspiring rapper, prosecutors played one of his music videos in court to paint Rushing in a bad light. The song was called Get That Dough, and the music video depicted a couple scenes of marijuana and a gun. This was used as evidence against his guilt of murder, even though it had no ties to the victim or the crime.
2: Yeah, who allowed this into the court?
1: <laughs> and the thing is that this was in 2011, right? Like, I remember, like, in the early... Eight, no, the late 80s, early 90s, when, like, NWA came out, you know, when, like, those, the like, rap groups... People were scared. They were frightened of it, right? And so like in in that instance, I would understand people using it in court. Not that it was right, but that fear. And then we have the satanic panic. And then when people were listening to heavy metal and, you know, rock and roll, that was used against them as like, oh, their choice in music means that they're bad. Yeah. But this is 2011. And you're using a rap music video (laughs) like to to show guilt. It's crazy to me because I grew up in the Bay Area. I listened to a lot of (laughs) songs that I guess the prosecutor would consider bad. I knew all the words to Andre Nicotina and to Mac Dre. And, you know, some of my favorite songs talked about weed, yet I had never smoked weed in my entire life. (laughs) You know, and to think that this is something that would even be considered to be used in court is just beyond me. Especially in this day and age. Rushing admitted to having a past of dealing drugs because of where he grew up, but in the last couple of years, Rushing claimed that he was focusing all of his energy into his music to make something of himself and inspire people from his neighborhood. Unfortunately, the jurors did not believe Rushing or his alibi witness and found him guilty of murder and sentenced him to 50 years to life in prison. Six years later, in 2017, an evidentiary hearing was held because Rushing's defense team claimed to have new evidence of his innocence. First, Patrick Smith, the driver of the car at the crime scene, stated that C is in fact the person that killed Taylor. However, he testified that Rushing was not C. Hmm. Although Smith said he knew exactly who C was, he was scared to state his name out of fear and stated, quote, I don't want to die, and I believe he's capable of killing. Obviously, if he believes he just saw this guy shoot Taylor from stealing an iPod, I think I would be scared too. Yeah. Because no one's going to protect me.
2: Also, it's like if you abide by like street culture and Mm -hmm. like street, not standards, but you know what I mean? Like you don't snitch people out Mm -hmm. because then they will retaliate and they will come after you. So it's like... You want to do the right thing and say, that's not the guy. Yeah, C did do this, but that's not C. And I can't, for my own safety, tell you who C is. That's such a hard place to be in. It is. And it's funny because
1: at this point, we all know who C is. C has been named. Yeah. But because he specifically didn't want to say the name on the stand, he wasn't seen as credible. So second, Yolanda Washington signed an affidavit stating that she knew exactly who C was which was a man named Charles. I'm not going to say his full name because
2: obviously <laughs> we don't want to get killed either. <laughs> oh
1: God. Yeah, that very real. <laughs> I also don't want to like put people's names out there as accusations without knowing facts myself. But this person did sign an affidavit naming this person. And it would make sense that this person who she's calls Charles would go by C. Yeah. That makes sense. (laughs) It makes more sense for him to go by C than than for Pierre. Come on. Yeah. Pierre would be like French. Oh, yeah. You know, like (laughs) (laughs) something like that. But he went by Stink. Like he had his nickname. Everyone called him that. No one's ever called him by C. And there seems to be no reason for him to even go by that letter. So in Yolanda's testimony, she stated that she was with C in the apartment before he left to pursue looking for the victim for stealing his iPod. Third... If you remember from the beginning of the story, C was on the phone in the car telling someone that his iPod was stolen. Well, cell phone records showed that Rushing was not on the cell phone around the time of the murder, which also proves that he could not be C. Finally, the defense team presented enhanced video surveillance, which showed that Green's testimony in court was false. So we have four pieces of evidence pointing to Rushing's innocence. However, the court decided that only Smith's testimony would count as newly discovered evidence, although they would listen to what the defense had to say about the other evidence. Unfortunately, the court did not find Smith credible, even though in the original trial they decided that Green was credible. So Smith was the driver of this car. Smith was the one who went into the apartment and brought out these two guys, one of them being C. But he's not credible, according to the court. However, Green, who's given multiple different statements, who also has a history of drug addiction, and he was in that car because he was looking to buy drugs, he was considered credible.
2: Yeah, because it doesn't fit their narrative anymore. Exactly.
1: That's exactly what it is. So, Rushing's petition was denied. Rushing has now been in prison for about 10 years. So, there's a lot of issues with this case. We have someone by the name of C who almost everyone can agree is actually a man named Charles. The testimonies used against rushing is from someone with a drug addiction who gave police a completely different description of C and changed his story multiple times only to tell police two weeks later that he randomly came across rushing who is C even though he didn't match the original description. We have a second witness with a criminal history who was two blocks away smoking marijuana on a bus stop at 3.30 a.m. who says she saw Rushing killing Taylor, even though her story also changed multiple times and didn't fit the narrative until Rushing was actually in custody. There is no physical evidence tying Rushing to the crime, no murder weapon, and none of his fingerprints in the getaway car. Richardson claimed to have spent the night with him giving him an alibi, and his phone records did not show that he was on the phone around the time of the murder like Green claimed. Then we have the driver of the getaway car and another woman testifying that C is not rushing. The prosecution did not have anything tying rushing to the crime other than two witnesses with criminal records who kept changing their story and description of the perpetrator, the fact that rushing had dealt drugs in the past, and music videos rushing made that showed marijuana and a guy holding a gun a couple of times. In my opinion, I think it is very scary that the burden of proof can be so low in murder trials. So nothing, just nothing's adding
2: up there. There's nothing. I there's mean, there's literally no connection between this guy and these people at all. Yeah. Like, do they live in the same area? Like, how would he have stolen the iPod? What puts him? Yeah. What puts him around? Nothing the, really. Like, they, they never found the iPod on him. Yeah. No. Where, what happened to the iPod? <laughs> like, what is happening?
1: So, there's a website called Case Text, and they have a lot of transcripts from trials and like summaries from trials. And that's where I got a lot of this information. Um, and it states that this so called iPod was never recovered. It was never talked about again. Like, there, it was just nothing around. It's just crazy because they're going off of Green's statements pointing him out weeks after the crime happened. Yeah. And it wasn't the description, it was, he was nowhere near the description that he gave what is he charged with murder that's what i'm saying it's it's really scary yeah to think that this person like green and carla can just say like that guy did it yeah. and then you're in jail for the rest of your life right with nothing else
2: tying you to it but music videos well not only that but it doesn't mean that just because that's what's popular in that genre does it mean that you are doing it or that yeah that's your lifestyle too i mean like how many people aren't like want to be gangsters and they know that that's what sells so they have to s- rap about that stuff mm-hmm. like yeah a lot of them might be in the lifestyle but that doesn't mean that you're out here killing people just because yeah. you talk about a gun doesn't make you a murderer or because way, you smoke weed like <laughs> which is even crazier mm-hmm.
1: yeah i don't see how the judge would have allowed that music video to even be shown like that has zero connection absolutely no relevance and the prosecutor mentioned something like oh this music video was shot
2: a few blocks away from where the crime scene was what but also like (laughs) oakland's not very big right from what from what i remember like that area it's not very big there's a lot of like i could imagine that there's only so many places people hang out in that area
1: and so i found this music video it's on youtube And I watched it and it like starts off in like a like close to like a liquor store, which I'm sure they frequent like it's their neighborhood. It's places that they like you said, they just frequent just because this music video that they filmed, God knows how long prior to (laughs) (laughs) the crime that has you can't tie that to them. No. Oh, my gosh. Now I'm upset. I thought I was upset when I was typing this up, but this is actually (laughs) extremely frustrating. So we wanted to hear from Pierre Rushing and his team, and this is what they had to say. Hey, Pierre, welcome to the podcast. I wish we were meeting under different circumstances, but I'm happy to have some time to speak with you. So thank you for this.
0: Thank you for the opportunity.
1: So have you been holding up lately, especially during COVID times?
0: And I'm blessed to say that I haven't um, attracted COVID, and I'm blessed to say that Case is still open and pending in the Ninth uh, Circuit Federal Court, pending a COA certificate of appealability. So uh, my head is up, my spirits are are, are are
1: high. Good, good. I'm really happy to hear that. It's. It's been such a tough time for everybody, and my heart has been with you guys because I know it's been really tough, especially with COVID. And were you affected with like visitations and things like that? Oh, yeah. They're have uh, they just now starting to get the
0: visits back uh, going. They're still not uh, 100% full capacity yet. Um, I think you get Saturdays, you get contact visits. Sundays are still uh, virtual mm. through a tap- tablet.
1: Okay. Have you met other people in prison who you also believe to be wrongfully convicted or even unfairly sentenced?
0: Yeah, I've met a couple of guys that I know for a fact that I will put my freedom on it. Mm. Um, one, one being a guy by the name of uh, Michael Anthony Hartschmidt, what we call Fat Mike. Uh, this guy was uh, on camera at work at the time of the murder. Um, <laughs> and they still say this guy could have traveled two miles to to to, to commit the crime. Oh, okay. the, the at the time of the murder, and they also have the time that they're saying that the murder happened, they see this guy at work and have been there all day. Um, they also have another guy who we call mac uh, mark anthony candler who by um, previous uh uh criminal history was targeted for a crime that he's currently incarcerated for that he didn't commit um kind of like a guilty by association type yeah. Of
1: thing yeah
0: and um that's what we that's what the the the, the, the oakland police department does that if mm-hmm. uh have heard of you before or, or run across you before. It doesn't matter if you did it or not. You are guilty as does a company you keep.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, them are two names right there for sure that I know didn't do it. And uh, yeah, it, it happens more so than you think.
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, we're 100% behind that. And, and that's why we, we try so hard to bring awareness to these cases. And when we first started this podcast a year ago, we thought, okay, we'll have a couple cases. Maybe we'll do this for a few months. And it just seems endless. It doesn't stop. There's so many cases.
0: Yes. So what it, what it mm-hmm. really boils down to is a lack of uh, intelligence with the criminal system. A lot of us grow up in um, impoverished communities mm-hmm. and poverty period, and we only really know one side of the game. Whether it's um, you know hanging out in the communities that uh, uh, that we grew up in, which are some are are, are you know they're they're ghettos, they're yeah. um, low income housing, and um, you know we're not really taught that. These things that we might be indulging in, whether it's you know driving without license, or whether it's selling weed, or whether these things, or whatever whatever kind of you know uh, crime that it is, mm-hmm. they they have a system designed to throw you in the system and throw away the key. And without the proper intelligence of saying, "Hey, no wait, you can't do that to me. This is not right, and this is not legal," yeah. then you're going to get, you're going to get
1: lost in the system. Yeah, absolutely. So, before being wrongfully convicted, you were living a regular life, working on a rap career.
2: Which, Correct.
1: Yeah, which I also grew up in the Bay Area. Um, I'm from Redwood City. Correct. And I can see a lot of my friends in you, and I say all that to point out how important it is for everyone to care about wrongful convictions because it could literally happen to anybody. Yes. So what did it feel like having a normal life one day and then all of a sudden being arrested for a murder you had no involvement in?
0: I mean, I've seen it on movies. Uh, mm-hmm. I, uh, I was familiar with the story of Ruben Hurricane Carter, um, mm-hmm. who was a boxer and who was wrongfully convicted and refused it to, to uh, comply with prison uh, regulations of dress code. And he said, I'm not taking off my real clothes because I didn't commit this crime. So, you know, you look at the movies and you see, like, hey, this is a good movie, but you don't ever in a million years think it could happen to you. Yeah. I woke up just like any other day uh, going on about my business. I've told this story one time. i tell it a thousand. And I was just walking up my neighborhood block, which is 77th. Um, I grew up in the 77th area of uh, Holly Street. And um, A lot of my couple of my friends rushed me, like just running full speed, and was like, "Hey, you know the police are looking for you. And I'm like, no, they're talking about a murder." And I'm laughing, like, "Man, I didn't nobody." Like, "It's mm-hmm. the police looking for me." But the the, the look and the 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 just uh facial expressions on these guys' faces was just like phenomenal. Like it was just like, like wow, like they're 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 serious. You know what I mean? And yeah. it so happened that we went to go smoke some weed on a, a school bus that uh, was in, a, in an abandoned parking lot on the, on the, on, on, on the block. And the police drove right by four deep, four or five deep. I was like, oh yeah, y'all serious. Like they really looking like, you know what I mean? And, um, uh, at that time, you know, they talking about murdering cops four or five deep looking around. And I'm not about to just say, hey, here, here, I'm the guy you, like, cause you know, like, I'm not the guy you, you want. Know, I'm not, I, I don't know why I'm the guy you're looking for. Yeah. But I had, I had, a, I had a, a scheduled a rap show that night. And it was one of, it was going to be the biggest show that I had attended. I mean, you're from the Bay. So you know how mm-hmm. significant uh, uh, San Quentin is. I think mm-hmm. it was San Quentin, Big Rich. And I think Mr. Fab. I'm not sure if Mr. No. Fav, I, I think it was, I think it was so, but I was under a guy by the name of, uh, Big Mo and Big Mo had a company called Fatty Eddie Records. He rapped with uh, uh, his first cousin was Messy Moore. So it was a lot of things going on that night where I said, I'm not missing my show because y'all looking for the wrong guy and y'all want me. You know and I mean, because I've heard too many times where people turn themselves in. And that's the last time you see that person. Mm-hmm. But I did have the intent. And I did say this like, hey, I'm going to go turn myself in. And then we can, we can, we can figure it out that night, uh, after the show, because at the end of the day, uh, this is my dream. This is my, this is my career. This is what I believe in. I love music. I am music. Um, you know, and you know, you, you, you're aware shit, still sit in prison to this day under wrongful, wrongful conviction. I still produce and create music. Mm. Uh, so, you know, that's how important music is to me, but, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was. It was it was real it was you know it was it was horrific and it was uh a, a, a disaster for for not only just me for my family as well yeah. it it tore up my family my my mom's side is all women majority women besides a couple of uncles like literally like two or three uncles and um i was like the the, the, the alpha and they took that and
1: they destroyed uh you know they destroyed my family yeah It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare for everybody involved. So let's talk about this guy C just for a second because C is a real person and it seems like there's a general consensus that the real C is the actual murderer. Did you know who this person was before all of this?
0: I don't know who C is.
1: Okay. Uh,
0: When, when the guy who lied on me, Mm -hmm. he, I get, uh, uh, he says he was the passenger side, uh, so there's four guys they commit a murder over some stolen property right this guy goes to the police and says hey i have information on the murder i was just witness to a murder and the police are like what are you talking about what do you mean he's like i want to tell you about a a murder and he he did this right in the middle of a walmart parking lot and it was like all right well they didn't even want to talk to the guy like they was this was just so random Mm -hmm. they uh, trial transcripts is uh the police gives him an a, a OPD card, like call me. Mm-hmm. So the guy calls him and he goes down there. He's like, man, I watched this guy named C kill somebody. And then he was like, all right, what, what area does he kick it in? He's like 77th area. So he went through a whole discovery uh, uh, of what we call a six-pack and uh, went through multiple pictures. And then he picked out another guy. I forgot the guy's name when well, he picked out, but it was like some bicep guy because his initial description was five, and hundred and twenty pounds. Mm-hmm. And so this is where the proce- I mean, not the prosecutor, this is where the police misconduct comes in right then and there. Because when he points out this guy and he says, Yeah, that's him, the police are looking at this guy like, Are you sure? Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And like, mm-hmm. like yeah and then he switched it up. He came from five different descriptions, from 5'8", 120 pounds light scan it to 5'10", 160 pounds brown scan it, all the way to preliminary hearing where he said this guy is 6'2", 220 pounds.
1: Oh, my gosh. When he
0: finally goes, when he's after going through about 40 to 50 pictures of people who he believes in the 77th area, keep in mind, i've grew up on 77 my whole life mm-hmm. there's not 40 to 50 people that hang around <laughs> 77. so he's going through these guys of all the people that hang around that area and then he points at me and says yeah that's C right there and i'm and, and 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 that's how the spider web of the wrongful conviction of Pierre rushing starts mm-hmm. you know and um anybody that knows me know since i was a kid my name's been stank mm-hmm. I, 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 original name, but uh, my original nickname was, was Peace Night. Uh, my first name is Pierre. My name is Pierre Diamond Russian. There's not a letter C in my <laughs> whole name. Right. So with that being said, it was just crazy that you know as I said in the beginning that if we've ever heard your name, it doesn't matter if it was juvenile history or not. Oh, we know about him. Not saying they didn't know this is even though this is my first felony, but they know about me from being in an area uh selling weed or whatever whatever may have you. Oh yeah, maybe this is the guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. They didn't do that. They didn't do that with that first light skinned guy. Who he pointed out. You know, and this is on camera. We're I'm watching this in my discovery. When I look at this guy, like, damn, like he just pointed at somebody and said that's C, And they didn't allow that. They like, no, I don't think that's. You know what I mean? Like that's police misconduct all day long. You know what I mean? So, um, to who uh, C is, I'm not. I'm not. I am I don't. I don't know who C is. And my whole thing is that uh, it, for me, you know, personally, like. I believe both sides need justice. The the, the 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 justice for DeJuan Taylor's family is not justice with me, the person who didn't commit the crime, sitting in prison. That's
1: that's that's not that's not justice. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Essentially, we have two injustices every single time okay. there's a wrongful conviction. Right. Cool. So, was the murder weapon ever found?
0: Murder weapon. Uh, No, not that that I
1: know of. Okay, yeah, I wasn't able to find anywhere where that was found either. And that's important for me because, essentially, you were convicted with no murder weapon, no fingerprints. I was convicted
0: with no evidence, period. I have an alibi witness who is a college student. So we're going to do a comparison between alibi witnesses as well as the one witness who lied on me. You have Robert Green, a seven-time felon admitted to crack, crack and heroin. And said I was up for two days straight, so he wouldn't know what, who probably C was if he yeah. looked right in his eyes. Yeah. Okay, so that's that's two. You also have this guy who says, "Hey, yeah, I did. I didn't look when the shot go off. I looked after and seen two guys and one was holding a gun. Did one did one pass the other guy a gun? You don't know. You didn't look when they when they, when they, when they shot. Mm-hmm. Two when he, I mean three. When he says that the guy shot from his knowledge, he says he looks and the guy. Is holding it in his left hand. I'm not left-handed. I'm right-handed. So mm. he says, "Oh yeah, this guy got in the car and he was on the phone and talking about it was missing property, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. In 2013, I went back to court. Uh, I was approved for a factual innocence evidentiary hearing based on newly discovered evidence. Part of that newly discovered evidence being uh, cell phone records. They, um, they being the Oakland Police Department mm-hmm. and my uh, my counsel subpoenaed my phone records from metro pcs two phones like that right so i gave them not just one i gave him two phones that i had at the time no phone calls from two hours before the murder and, and like an hour after the murder on either phones on either phones you know why because my alibi is telling the truth yeah i little with a lady by the name of lauren richardson and that was just a friend uh, a lady friend i would say and we were we were enjoying each other's company uh then she left early morning to take her son to, the, to to uh, to school for uh, for his talent show. Before that, we had stopped at McDonald's to get uh, some breakfast. And at that time, McDonald's used to serve breakfast early, early morning, like 3, 4 in the morning. And that's how that went. But being that I was with the company is why my phone wasn't ringing or, or cars going in or cutting out. Because 9 times out of 10, I probably turned my phones off. Mm-hmm. And they failed to, 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 to take these things into account. Yeah. You know what I'm
1: saying? It's, 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 um, it's very sad. Like it's it's very sad. And on top of that, your fingerprint was never found in the getaway car either because you weren't there.
0: (laughs) I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. They, um, they retract, they, they, they lifted 20 Latin fingerprints out of the vehicle. And so, um, One of those, or two of those fingerprints was from a lady by the name of DeCarla Smith. At the time, DeCarla Smith takes the stand, and she says, hey, yeah, um, I was in the area of that time. Um, Now, let me back up. The way she takes the stand is because the DA gets her fingerprints out of the vehicle, and she's, and when they, when they, when they, when they, when they, they, uh, 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 interview her, they ask her, they say, well, you know, we got your fingerprints out of this car. Where, where were you on this day? And she says, yeah, I was there. I seen the car when it busted u turning and, and got out and this, that, in the third. And they said, well, how many people did you see get out? And she says, one, right? So whether it was one, whether it was two, this is still an unreliable witness. But the thing that they failed to jump over is this. They said, where do you buy your crack from? She said, the 77th area. They point at me as the defendant. Have you ever seen this guy in the cemetery? What does she say? No. Did you see him that night at the, at the, at the murder? She says no. Mm-hmm. So you know that if she was in that car, which she said within the week of or before that murder, going up to and after, because obviously because her fingerprints were still left in the car, then you know the car wasn't wiped down. So I'm going to slow that down for those that didn't just follow that. You get the murder vehicle after the murder. It's 20 fingerprints in the car. Two of those fingerprints belong to her. She says, I haven't been in that car for at least five days before the murder. So that car obviously, factually, actually, hasn't been wiped down. Mm-hmm. It hasn't been cleaned.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, I'm, and I'm still sitting in prison yeah, because you want, to, you want the people, the American people, to believe that this guy got in the car, opened the door, got out of the car to commit the murder, got back in the car after the murder, then got back out of the car once you got dropped off. And my fingerprints are not in that car and Mm -hmm. I didn't have one in the gloves? Come on, get get out of here.
1: It's crazy. It's crazy because there's zero physical evidence, especially where evidence should be, that nothing connects you to this case we have extremely unreliable witnesses and you have an alibi and and i really want to drive this point in because our listeners have to know that people are sitting in prison for the rest of their lives off of this off of no physical evidence and unreliable witnesses and an alibi yet it still happens how does this happen correct It's. I mean, it starts from the beginning, right? Like you said, there is police misconduct from day one. And so with that, I mean, we know the criminal justice system is so broken. Um, There's so much reform that needs to happen. What is one thing that you would like to see fixed or changed with the criminal justice system to avoid things like this?
0: We need integrity task forces. Integrity task forces are somebody that cannot be uh, manipulated, persuaded, or, or or paid for their uh, testimony, Mm -hmm. their insight, their uh, overlook of any kind of situation, small, big, or medium. And what that would does is it would give uh, transparency to these atrocities that we call wrongful convictions. And what an integrity and task force would consist of is, I believe, some regular people who you know who they're not— one way or the other, like they're not pro police, but they're also not pro criminal, if you will. I'm mm-hmm. not, I don't believe nobody's pro criminal, but it's just like a, a, a. You know what I mean? You you have uh. Just you an have,
1: unbiased.
0: It, exactly. Mm-hmm. Un, thank you. And and if we get those, like somebody basically to police the police, you know what I mean? Like it would it would it would it would uh it would cut down the wrongful convictions at least. Mm-hmm. 50, at least fifty percent. Absolutely. I believe. You know, oh my God, that's, 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 my, that's
1: my belief. And we've seen some of these task force already implemented in a few cities and as well as in Canada. I
0: was, think, I was thinking that. I was thinking that. I
1: was thinking that. Yeah, we've, we've seen it happen, and we've seen it have a lot of success. We've seen it overturn help overturn wrongful convictions. We've seen it catch things that the police department were doing very faulty. Um, And and it's already been such an advantage to have in those cities that I'm so surprised we don't automatically just have it in all, you know, across the country. And so I I agree with you that that's something that we should definitely push for to have um, everywhere because it'll make such a difference. We've already seen it be successful, so why not have it look over all the departments?
0: Correct.
1: So what's next for you in this case?
0: Um, Right now, um, I have a lot of things going on. So, one being I just did the Run for Covation podcast with Jason Mm -hmm. Flom. Those that are not familiar with Jason Flom, he is a president and a board member of the Innocence Project. He's also a music executive. He was, uh, he's responsible for discovering Katy Perry. Um, I had a great um, podcast with him. I also just did a podcast last week with a lady by the name of Lori Rothschild. She's an executive producer with Kim Kardashian, one of Kim Kardashian's, uh, uh, podcast. Um, she's heavily uh, been investigating and, and trying to figure out the, uh, the, the 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 case of beer rustling. And mm-hmm. those two people are are they're not having it. They're not they're not satisfied. They have read discovery. They've read the paperwork. They've they're you know they're like you. They're not having it. Yeah. Um, um,
1: and they're pioneers in the wrongful conviction realm too. So yeah. I, we admire them, and we know that they're definitely fighting for this injustice. So it's really nice that they're on your side right now.
0: I also have a movie coming out uh, that I'm working on. It's a documentary called the Pierre Rushing uh, Stories Documentary. I'm Actually, probably going to change the name to you know get you know make it a little more appealing. But it's mm-hmm. essentially the Pierre Rushing Documentary. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna shop that around the film festivals when I get a chance. Um, that's almost done. Um working on my music, uh, I rap under Maybach Stank. Um, when I get a chance I go out there and I, I just, you know, I just, I just I just I just rap, just rap, you know what I mean? I just send it out, send it out. My people do what they do with it, make it sound good. I'm also working on trying to reach out to Van Jones as well as Sean King to get more uh, media attention for uh my wrongful conviction
1: and then what about your case where are we at with that
0: i'm in the ninth circuit uh federal district uh i'm waiting on the uh, coa uh which is called a certificate of appealability i have nine issues great issues uh 2017 i went back uh, to court and under newly discovered evidence two affidavits one being from a lady who testified that i'm not seeing mm-hmm. she she testified to who she believes who the real person is and um I have another guy who was the driver who drove uh the corporates to commit a car, the, the murder and he says you know like man you know, I, I can't live with myself you know, i committed a crime and um i'm the one that did it and, you know i drove from guys, and he wasn't with me and i don't feel Comfortable with myself that uh, somebody's doing time for something I committed. And, uh, you know, so the lady is crazy how the justice system works. When you go back on a, on a, on an appeal such as that of an uh, evidentiary hearing, you have to go back to the same judge that convicted you. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of essentially asking that judge to say, hey, you no, know, I made a mistake three years yeah. ago. I convicted the wrong person, which he didn't do. I mean, you know I mean? She, <laughs> no, he's still guilty. You know what I mean? All yeah. this new evidence. You have the driver saying, hey, I drove these guys to kill this dude. He wasn't with me. They didn't do that. So what makes, and his name is Pat Smith, what makes Robert Green stronger than Pat Smith if Pat Smith is, the one who introduced the mm-hmm. real person to all these people—that's—that's that's crazy, my God! It's like it's bananas. You know what I mean? And and yeah. and then people always want to ask me about who is C or did C. Like I can't—I I don't know who C. Like you know, what I mean, even if I did, I couldn't say something based on the fact that that right there would get me killed. You know what I mean? So it's my whole thing is I have to allow the justice system to play out how the justice system is going to play out, you know what I mean? Yeah. But the truth of the matter is, I don't know who she is because I wasn't there. <laughs> I was laid up with one witness and <laughs> enjoying my night, if I might be, you know what I mean, a little, a little, yeah. inappropriate. I was enjoying myself, like, I wasn't, I wasn't I was looking for who this guy is or looking for, you know, an iPod or I don't know, like, shit is, like, it's, just, it's bananas, like,
1: so are there any last statements you would like to leave for our listeners and your supporters before we end this?
0: Um, yeah, uh, my story can be found, like I said, uh, at the Run for Conviction podcast with Jason Flom. That's available on Spotify. I also have a petition at Change.org, and that's Justice for Pierre Russian, um, P-I-E-R-R-E-R-U-S-H-I-N-G. I also have a link in the Justice for Pierre Russian Instagram that um, goes straight to my attorney for legal fees. What we're trying to do is we're trying to uh, make Nassiel Valley test the uh, materials from the Red Jetta that would fully exonerate me. Uh, therefore, uh, 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 abstracting any DNA that was in those materials that they have. And those materials are uh, head the uh, seat covers, door handles. Um, they said that this guy was smoking a cigarette before he got out of the car. I don't smoke cigarettes, but hey, when they got the murder vehicle, it was 50 c- cigarette butts on the floor. Mm. So DNA test the cigarette butts. You know what I mean? So yeah. what we're doing is we're just throwing out all the bullets to get my exoneration. And we have to come together as a collective, as, uh, as a village. It's um, like I say all the time, Steph Curry says it best the strength of numbers. Anybody from the barrier knows what the warriors motto is and we have to make um, we have to make our voices heard. We have to share the petition. reading the story, hearing the story is one thing, but it's it's, it's it, you know, the tongue is the strongest muscle on the body. So you have to know how to use the tongue and share the story and, and speak upon the story and manifest the results that we are looking for and that result being a uh, full exoneration. And if none of that moves you then just think about if it was your son. Mm -hmm. And if that doesn't move you, I don't want much your help anyway because you you, you have something deeper you need to go deal
1: with. (laughs) It's true. It's true. It's strength in numbers. And like I said earlier, this could happen to anybody that you know, anybody that you love. And so this is why we need to take this so serious and we need to help as much as possible. So bringing awareness to this case, we will do our best. Correct. All right. Thank you so much, Pierre. Thank you. So, that is the story of Pierre Rushing, currently incarcerated for a crime he states he did not commit. If you would like to help his cause, please consider signing his change.org petition, which we will include in the bio of this podcast and on our Instagram. You can also follow him on social media, Justice for Pierre Rushing, to be kept up to date on his case and how you can help. If you currently live in the Bay Area in California, then please consider joining a future rally that his team organizes. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Injustice. Thank you to all of you who have been supporting the cases that we've been covering. And thank you for your continued support of our podcast. If you haven't already, please take a second to leave us a rating and review. It helps us tremendously to continue spreading awareness of these cases. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button. We will see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.